Have you ever wondered why some young people choose to end their lives? Ever wondered who they are and who they left behind? Have you ever wanted to hear their stories? Would you like answers to these questions and many more? Welcome to Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu. Her mission is to shine light on these young people, create awareness for, and educate the world on youth suicide. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Dr. Lulu and her guests. They are not a substitute for professional advice. If you are experiencing suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK or send a text to www.crisistextline.org. Now, here's Dr. Lulu. Hello, good afternoon. Welcome back to Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu, the podcast. How is everybody doing? It's, it's Friday afternoon. It's almost the end of May. It's 2020. Mm. We're trying to dabble outside of the lockdown. So I hope you had a good lockdown. I hope it was eye-opening. I hope you were able to reconnect with people that needed to be reconnected with. I'm hoping that that's what Mother Earth was trying to teach us. But we're going to talk about the tough stuff today. Mm. Suicide, brokenness pain, anguish, overwhelm, you know what I mean. So my name is Dr. Lulu. I'm going to be your hostess with the mostess. Beautiful. This, oh my God. I've got a nice, nice, awesome unicorns unicorn this afternoon by name, by the name of Nick Norman. He's a video designer and writer. He writes marketing content for medical, for the medical field. So this guy is, is woke. Okay. He's smart. And I love it. I love it. There are not many of us that want to go there. And then also for the fact that he's in tune with his vulnerability because it takes that to be able to want to talk about what we talk about on this show. So without further ado, my name is Dr. Lulu and I'm going to ask you listeners to please welcome Mr. Nick Norman in the building. Yay! Thank you. Thank you. So Nick, how do you want to approach this? What do you want to what What do you want to talk about? How do you want to go? The floor is yours. Don't even pretend I'm not here. I'm just going to interject a little bit from time to time. But the floor is yours, baby. Thank you. Uh, you mentioned uh, that uh, my professional skill set of being a writer, and uh, I, I don't think you hear a lot of writers address the difficulty it is in embracing their call to write. Uh, because I think that in whatever we're doing, there's purpose behind it, or should be. And for me as a writer, it wasn't easy embracing my identity as a writer, um, which affected my income. Uh, before I even get into that, um, <laughs> embracing my call to write first, I had to go back and address the trauma that stemmed all the way back into my childhood. Um, and that, I think, is, was the most uh, critical point in my journey as a successful writer, is looking back to sexual abuse, physical abuse, uh, betrayal, deep trauma, skip ahead, you go into your adult years, 
and you're still derailed by trauma. And so you're not making the best decisions for your life. So you find yourself giving yourself up sexually. You find yourself giving yourself up to bottles of alcohol and you find yourself resorting to bottles of peel. That is part of my story of saying, hey, I can't do this anymore. I feel that you know suicide is my only way out. Um, not only that, but decisions of, of you know wandering the streets and, and believing that crime is, it, you, there's a part of you that knows what mom and dad is saying is true, that boy, you better get up out them streets. We know it's true, but the ability to, to grab hold to that truth and, and, and go a different path is shackled, it's chained, uh, and it becomes hard for us to do that. And so my story has gone through that broken road and and so today as a writer i i have to uh obviously i believe that my faith is a big part of of my success but i also believe that my ability to finally embrace and accept who i am and uh, i think the biggest challenge that you teens uh and people of all ages have is picking up the pieces of their identity that's been fractured along the way that is so powerful. Mm -hmm. uh, you, 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 we haven't even started yet, and you're already like dropping major nuggets as the difficulty mm -hmm. embracing the call to write. Yeah. I just had a coaching call with a client, and I told her, I said, It is a lonely road. I know, because mm -hmm. I love to write. And as much as I love mm -hmm. to write, sometimes I'm like, Ah. But I found, for me, I found my path to writing. It's just first thing in the morning, knock, 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 knock it out. Once people start waking up, I'm distracted and it's not as easy. But yeah, it is a difficult journey. Mm -hmm. Hence, the word writer's block, which mm -hmm. none of my clients are allowed to mention that phrase. Like, no, mm -hmm. not say the word right. Don't say mm -hmm. it. Don't touch it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Get, you know, in that mindset at all. So that's yeah. good. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. To become aware because that is a big deal. Just being aware, becoming aware of the... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fractured, fra the fractured, fragile self, and being mm -hmm. able to reconcile with it—it's—it's it's tough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we raised. Once we start growing up, it's like you know, when a toddler is like, "Mommy, mommy," is like, "What, what? Oh, that's so cute." And a teenager, "Mommy, mommy, what, what? Shut up! What, mm -hmm. you know? It's like, what happened?" Mm -hmm. Yeah, we hear of uh, writer's block, but rarely do you hear emotional block, and that—that—that that, that goes to any. I think, feel that someone's called to be, whether it's a construction worker, a plumber, or a writer, if you have an emotional block, you really can't flow through your calling and be the best worker that you can be, whether you are a practitioner or otherwise. I think that we have to deal, as what you said, reconcile with those emotional blocks uh, that hinder us. And, and this is the thing, a lot of people confuse writer's block or skill set block is what I'll call it. It, in my case, I might say, oh, well, it's writer block, writer's block. In all actuality, writer's block is real, sure. But in many cases, if you don't know who you are, you're going to be blocked and you may confuse. <laughs> you, you get it, yeah. You, you're going to confuse writer's block with an inability to know who you are because that's why you can't, people can't figure out what to put on the paper because they don't know who they are. Um, and so that's why we have well, to deal with these topics. Maybe they've, they've lost their why. I mean, I think Absolutely. the same thing that their, their why is like, and which is why I tell my clients, I said, you got to get that 
outline. First of all, I want to hear your intro. Why are you writing this book? And then get the outline, everything you want to say and stick to it. Otherwise, it's like, oh, I don't know what, what to write. But if you have an outline already, you have a Just go yeah. with it. And um, I, I don't even mention the word, right? I don't even, I mean, I know it does exist, but I, I don't want to, I don't want to give it any power. And I believe that the, the anti-writer's block is action. It's, mm. it's, yes. Anything is just do it. Just, just keep doing yeah. it. Keep doing it. Take it. Yeah. Take it. Wow. I can't, I can I, I don't recall the last time I've experienced writer's block. I think you completely overcome that when you follow what you said, when you have an outline and, and the outline comes by, when you sit at that desk, what are you writing? Like, is this who you really are? Or are you trying to be something that mm. is frustrating to your career? Or maybe you don't like it? Because there's plenty of story inside of us if we're honest and authentic enough to share it. So, yeah. I love that. I love that. And I love something else that you said. You said emotional block versus writer's block. I almost want to call it emotional block mm. burnout. Because if mm-hmm. you get burned out, I don't care if you're cleaner, wash, washer, whatever. I don't know. Just get, mm. as a matter of fact, one of the bloggers who had attempted suicide wrote on his blog and said, suicide is, this, is the ultimate state of human burnout. So that word burnout is, is, is that block. Like, oh my God, I can't, inertia. I, I, I can't. I have to jump. I have to jump. And then, of course, if you now listen to the thoughts, it's over. You know? mm, yeah, yeah. So, yes, you should jump. Oh my God, hurry up and pull the trigger already. And, and you're like, you just in a state of panic and overwhelm and mm-hmm. you know, all of that and you just pull but most people at the moment where they pull the trigger really if they could just breathe mm. and then what leo flowers said today was if you could just walk around the block okay go fold your socks mm. okay go do the laundry cook dinner mm. do something act right and just don't sit there and let it just do something so this is interesting. Interesting. Mm. Wow. Wow. So where do you want to start? Because that was a very good intro, if you might ask me. <laughs> if you ask me, I said, that's a very good intro. Where do yeah. you want to start? High school, middle school, adulthood? Where do you want to start? Yeah, um, I, I'll start maybe with um, high school um, or somewhere around that age because I actually dropped out of high school um, and uh, I, I wound up getting my GED. And, and believe it or not, I got my GED to prove my dad wrong Uh, (laughs) because um, one day my dad came, he said, well, I asked him, I said, well, what do I have to do? Do I need to get my GED? He said, yeah, but it'll take you about five years to get your GED because you're not smart enough. Um, So that the next Wednesday after my dad said that statement, the Wednesday of the next week, I went to the nearest GED building, uh, took a random test, and the lady looked at me. She said, you're too smart for these classes. You need to go to the college down the road and get your, your, your GED. I took my GED and aced it with flying colors. What? Um, yeah. You so, know what? That, that is the power of determination. Yeah, yeah. I'm a freaking nation. And you know what it is? Because you acted. You mm-hmm. had a goal. Like, my goal yeah. is to show my dad that I can. Whatever your goal yeah. is. Yeah. Just Act based on it. Stay focused and look what you did. Look yeah. What, yeah. You, you even sup, you, I bet you surprised your own self because yeah. it's long enough that you're dumb. You're gonna say, "Yeah, I'm dumb." Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> wow. And part of that, 
I learned from that is number one, um, two things pretty much is that, um, sure, my dad was the motivating factor, but also um, that taught me that, um, well, I learned this later. I didn't learn it during that time, but as I started to grow and mature, I realized that I don't have to use other people's pain or the pain that other people cause me as motivation. I'm good and capable right now because all by myself. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I rely a lot of experiences that I faced as as in my high school years. Um, I faced a lot of bullying uh, my high school years. Um, in ele uh, elementary years, uh, in the neighborhood I grew up in, and when I say bullying, just to kind of give you a snapshot, I'm this this. I mean, I would have people, you know, wrap first strip my shirt off and tie their uh, tie the sleeve of my shirt around my neck, like you know, like they were trying to hang me, but they would drag me around the floor, and oh so. When the teacher would come in the room, I'm covered in dirt, I'm covered in blood. I've had students in the class pick up desks and throw them on top of me. But the teacher, the teacher was aware, but the teacher would leave the class for the entire period and come back just before the bell would ring. And so Why? I, I, I resent you when they're not present. Say that again. No, I was going to say, what are they teaching you when they're not present? If the oh, that's a. Yeah, that's a whole nother issue. Oh, Lord have mercy. So I had a lot of resentment toward a lot of folks um, that really that really caused me to just simply lose hope in people. I, I don't even know if I ever had it prior to that point, but I know that, you know, going through those experiences and I thought, why aren't the teachers standing up for me in a situation mm -hmm. like this? And when they didn't stand up for me, well, why should I care? What's the point of going, graduating? Like for what? That that's what I was thinking. Um, What's my motivation, basically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If 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 the teachers don't care for me, and it, and I get that teachers out there will say, and I'm an advocate for teachers, believe me. Um, but teacher, if a teacher were to say to me, "Well, not all teachers are bad," absolutely, um, no, we know that. However one experience is powerful enough to, to shroud uh, the, the good of a lot of people. And, and not every child has the strength to overcome that. The resiliency exactly that it takes. And I say that in my third book that I'm writing, which is called, and I've, I've changed the name, I don't know, four times now. First of all, it was called, Is Your Child a Bully? Then mm. it was My Child a Bully? Then What If My Child is a Bully? And then as of today, someone else suggested, could my child be a bully? Whatever, however you want to put it. I want to put the emphasis on the fact that we parents, we produce these bullies. They're not just, they didn't just drop from some sky. They mm -hmm. are raised by people. And most bullies have been, what they call vic um, bully victims. Is that what they call them? Mm -hmm. yeah. Bullies or something. They have been bullied before. So um, I don't know, did you have, <laughs> I'm going to ask this, it's going to be weird, but did you ever, were you ever a bully? Um, Anything that happened to you? Yeah. Was I ever bullied or? No, no. Were you ever, did you ever become a bully? Because a lot of bullies were formerly victims. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, not in the same sense that I had received it in school, but I was a bully in relationships. I manipulated women. Uh, I, yeah, that, that, 
Yeah, sure I was. Absolutely. Because you never, because you never had time to go back. And, and that is exactly why I need to write my book, because I want mm -hmm. people to know that most bullies themselves were traumatized. Most mm -hmm. babies were born weighing six to eight pounds and they were innocent and their life mm -hmm. happened to them. And then they became bullies as, yeah. a, as a way of protection, as a way of, you know, whatever, they become bullies. And then a Absolutely. Lot of end up with suicide. A lot of bullies yeah. end up with suicide because of yeah. guilt, you know, for one, and then substance abuse. I mean, just sleep disorders, all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. and yeah. And, and I think that we, it's easy to think that just because your behavior today doesn't look like the behavior you were in, that was inflicted upon you. I, I bullying a woman to me is doesn't look the same as someone dragging me around in the classroom on the floor, but I can't justify it as being right or it doesn't warrant the same amount of attention yeah. because it's still born from trauma. Absolutely. It, it came yeah. from trauma because you, yeah. you have unresolved. And maybe, you know what? It makes a lot of sense, though. Think about it. You are being dragged around the school, yard, floor, whatever, mm -hmm. by 10, 11 kids who mm -hmm. you couldn't fight back. And then you got older and you're like, yeah, I'm going to take back. I'm going to take it out on um, so mm -hmm. and so. Yeah. I yeah. And, and that's the aha moment where at some point, and that's not to, we can't stay in that place. We at some there at any point at every point we are called to rise up and move out of that brokenness. I cannot and never did have the right to say, "Oh, my childhood experiences have led me to become a mean person to the people that I'm in a relationship with," and that's how life is right now. That's not good enough, and that's not. And unfortunately, a lot of people settle for that, and they should not settle for that. We can't condone today's behavior with because of yesterday's past, no matter how traumatic. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And you know what? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend that I'm not also guilty of that because I was in mm -hmm. a domestic abuse environment. So, but the point I'm trying to make is you are so right. It's a choice we need to make. And it's easier mm -hmm. said than done. It takes mm -hmm. a whole lot of mind shift business mm -hmm. to get you to get you to dislodge from yeah. that victim mentality that I, I deserve to, I deserve this or I deserve that because of the, because of what happened to me. Yeah. Wow. Great. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. We haven't even scratched the surface yet. I'm already yeah. like, so intrigued. This is so amazing. Yeah. And the, all those experiences, um, going back to my earlier years in, in high school, it, the streets were never comfortable for me, but it was the streets is where I just simply, I, I didn't have the strength to rise out of the streets. And so my relationships were centered around the streets. My relationships were centered around drugs and alcohol. And here, I remember one day, um, uh, there was uh, the woman who I, I identified as girlfriend, right? I, I, I remember saying to myself, I called her up one day, and I said, uh, I need you to come to the hotel that I'm staying at because I had already made a commitment to commit suicide. Um, that was the first time I called a friend of mine and uh, I said, I want you to go buy me a gun. I gave him the money. He went to um, buy the gun for me. 
And he said, I'm short. As a matter of fact, he said he was short about seven dollars. Um, uh, and I have spent my time just in a hotel smoking, you know, smoking, getting high, doing whatever. And uh, I was certain he was going to be able to get the gun so that I could kill myself. And that's why I called my girlfriend and I said, come over so that I could talk to you. I want to say goodbye. I didn't do it uh, because I didn't have enough money. Well, you're also here. I mean, obviously you didn't do it here to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but another time I, I did swallow as many pills as I thought would kill me and that didn't work. Uh, but here's the thing. I think a lot of people think when they're in the streets and, and when they're doing their thing, they think I'm too macho or suicide. There's a stigma that suicide is for the weak. I know. I was just, I was waiting for you. I knew you were going to say that. I, yeah. I, knew you were gonna, I was waiting. I was waiting for yeah. you. A lot of people, they, t- they tell me two things. Oh, they're weak-minded. Or they tell me that they're selfish. Yeah, yeah. Two things that couldn't be further away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So people who, who, who think like that, that, suicide creeps up on them. Because see, if you I think that, that it's a weakness, I didn't expect that the thought of suicide would become my greatest hope. Now, let me explain what that means. I, I have to... I knew that I was in a place where life was so painful and so hopeless for me that the only way that I could get through to the next moment, to the next moment was believing that I now had a way out through suicide. So that was my, that was a false glimmer of hope for me, that suicide would save me. So I I think we, we all have to, those who are, whether you are in the streets or whoever is struggling and, and is hearing this podcast. First, thank you, doctor, for, for having this. Uh, I think that obviously this is amazing. Um, but do not allow what you may perceive to be your being stronger than suicide to be the snare that traps you. Because suicide can creep up on you. Um, it can come out of nowhere. You can say that again for those yeah. of the because I am the least likely person yeah. to open their mouth and say, I've been suicidal. I'm the yeah. least like, yeah. people look at me like, what? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. But it's important that I speak my truth because mm-hmm. there are people out there who are thinking like, yeah, right, like you, like, Psh, I can't, it, it won't happen to me. The gentleman that I interviewed this morning is a successful comedian. Las mm-hmm. Vegas has sold out shows. Mm-hmm. Do you know what happened? He finished one of his shows, one of his biggest shows, and he called one internet suicide because he was about mm-hmm. to, like literally, at the, he was already standing mm-hmm. on the ledge. So, but to everybody else, he was a successful comedian, right? Mm-hmm. But to him, he's like, I'm not good enough. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fake, I'm a, I'm a, you know, mm-hmm. all those things. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and not, if, if I could interject this, um, here's, this is another dynamic a lot of people don't talk about, is um, when it comes to emotional trauma, at one point, I'm what you call a runner. Hmm. I, I believe that if I could run far enough from the trauma, that e- is equivalent to being healed, right? <laughs> Say that again. Oh, my God. That's so deep. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. I'm, yeah. That's so deep. So I believe that, okay, I've, I've, I found crafty ways of running from trauma. And I believe that my distance from the trauma 
is equivalent to being whole and healed from the trauma. Listen. Now watch this. This is what's interesting. I love it. One night I was working at a hotel on third shift. And the short end of the story is an intruder broke into the hotel and attacked me on my job. Uh, I suffered a traumatic brain injury and, uh, you know, lost my sight for a little while. And that's not the first time I lost my eyesight. Uh, it, I, that's another part of my story. It, you know, I lost my sight because a doctor actually gave me uh, the wrong prescription for depression several years ago and I went totally blind. Right. So uh, and so it's interesting that I am a medical writer for doctors. And that was also a lesson for me to learn that just because one person makes a mistake, it doesn't mean I like I, I, I respect and now honor doctors and they are the people that I write for. So so one mistake did not derail me and cause me to think that all doctors are bad. Right. And I think that's what trauma tends to do. It tends to make you think everybody is bad. Mm -hmm. um, but going back to the hotel, um, I was attacked and uh, suffered a traumatic brain injury. It is very difficult in recovering from physical trauma, right? Uh, but I didn't realize that it's most difficult to recover from the emotional trauma from the actual attack. Well, and when I had to address it, I realized that my greatest challenge in recovering from that trauma, from that attack, was I had so much compounded trauma from my childhood that I thought I had run from it far enough. I'm several years removed from that. And so I had to go back to the scene of the crime, so to speak, and address that trauma. Look at, thank you. Mm -hmm. I five across the across the yes. the, the highway the the, uh, the the technological highways. Yeah. This is so true. You you human beings by nature we stack our thoughts. We stack mm -hmm. our trauma. We put everything we, so we can just go to that place and just bring this one out and bring that one out. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make it go away. You yeah. have to run towards your fear, which is mm -hmm. counterintuitive. It's mm -hmm. counterintuitive. Yeah. Nobody wants to go to the visa. I want you want to avoid it. That's what your brain does. Your brain says, mm -hmm. Wait, wasn't that the place where you were attacked last week? You don't want to go Ooh. there. But yeah. you know what I mean? Like, oh, wasn't that so? On? So you don't want to do that. But mm -hmm. you actually need to go and look it in the face and say, Okay, you're not the boss of me. I don't have to sit in you. I can stand. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. you, know, you don't That's have any problem with me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, that's I, good I, I stopped writing i couldn't even he said i had so much trauma i didn't even i couldn't finish i was like i was mm -hmm. waiting for you to say that mm -hmm. wow. yeah this is fair to ask you how you're doing now right <laughs> like <I don't> know. <laughs> yeah wow. uh absolutely uh and, and thank you yeah doing super well i think finding the courage to first embrace um who I am and my identity and who I am is, is in what I'm called to do. I had to learn that it's not about like how much I'm going to get paid or, um, you know, what the world thinks I should be doing. Like what am I sent to earth to do? Amen. And once I embraced that and did not, you, I didn't compare myself to anyone. That's when healing truly began to come mm -hmm. for me. Uh, and that's where opportunities, I mean, here I am from the streets, you know, uh, a, a background of 
divorce, brokenness, family trauma, sexual abuse, alcoholism, betrayal. I can go even, and and now I, I'm I I I I'm at peace with myself, um, and that's a beautiful thing. Have you heard about Dr. Nadine Burke and her work with Aces? I've, I'm, I believe the name I'm familiar with, but I'm not exactly sure of her work. Only because you're a writer in the medical realm. So I figured you, maybe her name has passed your radar. So she's African American, which is awesome. She's a mm. pediatrician, which is even more awesome. So you know I'm mm. all about her. But mm. she did to look at the study that, that it was called ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences. Mm. Looks they look about 10 factors, but there are more. There are more. There are much, much more. Everything you listed, they looked, they looked at this study and they found out that all of those things that you mentioned, all of those factors, if they happen to you before the age of 17, mm -hmm. the more of those factors, and I don't know the exact number now is in my book, but the more of those factors, I think three or more, three to five of them equates to like, 300% likely to have suicidal ideation or something. Wow. Three, just three out of three of, or more. Something. Yeah. Wow. You have like eight. So you are definitely high risk for suicide. So you can look up ACEs, adverse childhood experiences. You can look yes. it up. You are definitely at a high, ultimate high. My kids have one factor, that's divorce. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they also are accumulating their own personal traumas as they go. Mm -hmm. There are black males in America. I mean, that's mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. to be black male. You know, so. Mm -hmm. so yeah, I can see how easy yeah. you you will be. You can run around in circles all you want, baby. Mm. Ooh, yeah. That history and it's it's going to follow mm. you run around in circles unless mm. you stop and, and address it. And mm -hmm. it might take a week, a month, or a year, or years. You know. Yeah. So, so did you have to get therapy because a lot of black people, as you know. Yeah, I went to uh, therapy at one point in my life, and it was more marriage-related. Uh, I'm certainly a, a, a huge advocate of therapy. I think that this is therapeutic, what you and I are doing, uh, whether it's one-on-one. -on -one, um, I think I was, I'm, I was blessed, I am blessed to have a lot of professionals like yourself um, who I am secure enough within myself to say, hey, I need help. Um, and I think that's a challenge for some people as well. But when you can say, I need help or I'm struggling and surround yourself with mentors, then I think that that in itself is therapeutic. It, 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 goes, a, it goes a long way. Um, so I, yeah, I support therapy. I think all of that is important. You know, I. I watched my brother, he um, struggled with uh, uh, mental health challenges. It runs into my family. I, you know, my brother um, would become very violent to, you know, us as brothers. Uh, he would run away from home. The police would always bring him back in handcuffs uh, because he just, he'd, leave, he'd run away from home and, and live under a porch, drinking out of a jar, drinking drain, rainwater. Um, so that's what I grew up with before he actually went to a home uh, to be taken care of. So because that was, is, is something that I saw and it's part of my history, um, I'm, I'm, I'm prone and more apt to say, hey, I need help. 
Yeah. And it's funny you say that. It's funny you say that. One of the big things that one of my guests on my podcast, and I talk about her all the time, she said it's actually easy. She's a psychiatrist. She said it's actually easier for people to say yes than I need help, i.e., Nick, do you, you need to talk to someone? Will you, you know, for you to say yes, yes. But for you to open your mouth and say, I need help is so hard. And that's just, as we get older, we just kind of change our mindset and become more creative and just, we don't want to, we don't want to, we don't want to ask for help anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what are you going to say? Yeah, that, that, what you said. We're worrying about what other people are uh, going to say, or um, that becomes a part that that's an effect of trauma too. And at some point we have to stand up and say, you know what? I I need help. You know? Yeah. Wow. (sighs) I don't know. I mean, I'm glad that this is definitely helping Mm -hmm. because I know talking definitely helps. It's a Mm -hmm. big Huge deal. That's why the suicide hotline is one eight hundred two seven three talk. I mean, like mm-hmm. you get it out. Just yeah. But um, so overall speaking, mm-hmm. some of those women in your past, mm-hmm. have you been able to maybe go back and say? Yes? Oh, absolutely, um, absolutely. And you know, uh, I, I recall the last time I saw someone in public, and I was able to say. Um, this was a, a, a guy that I knew. Um, I just said, you know, you may not remember me, but you knew me at this point in my life. And chances are I either lied or stole from you. And I want to say I'm sorry. And I've done that to the relationships, whether it's male or female. Um, it not, it not just romantic, it's just people in general I hurt. Um, and looking back at uh, some of the relationships that I, were, I, I had been in on a romantic level, um, I can look, they, they are some, some beautiful women. And um, to be able to tell them, say, hey, I'm, I apologize. And I think for the most part, um, they understood that their experience with me was coming through a different place. And I think people can understand that if you're authentic and real, they can just being around someone, they can know who, who you were in a relationship with that person is not who you're designed to be. Yeah. yeah. So. That's, that must be very, very therapeutic. Yeah. It's, it's, mm-hmm. It also takes a very big person too, to mm. say, yeah, sorry, and that's, you know, that's yeah. something that many, many adults struggle with, just mm-hmm. even children. I mean, yeah. I'm sorry for something. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even. Mm. Mm-hmm. So are you active on social media? I mean, where can the listeners find you? <laughs> yeah, uh, you can just look up Nick Norman on LinkedIn. Uh, that's a key place. I'm actually, uh, uh, I'll be releasing my new book next week. Uh, so it'll be probably long after uh, some people will hear this uh, broadcast. Um, uh, so uh, it's actually called Inside the Dream Realm. And uh, the book is, uh, it focuses on my experiences in my dreams and how I use my dreams to address some of my deepest emotional trauma. Who is your primary target audience for that? Uh, I, uniquely, uh, I, I, the book is, um, is pretty wide for, uh, because any, we all dream. And that's what makes this book so unique. Uh, 
Um, but I, I, I think if you understand uh, the significance of dreams and uh, or you just want to understand the, uh, the, the significance of them, then this book is for them. Uh, the book goes deep into uh, spiritual, physical, emotional trauma as well. And uh, I, I definitely think it's going to be a must read for a lot of people. So uh, I, I don't think that the subject of dreams is talked about a lot. For me, uh, being able to step into my dreams and go back and address emotional trauma uh, is something that's fascinating that I learned to do. And it opened up a lot of opportunities as well inside the dream realm. And I think that it, it, it's just something I think we should all be willing to explore because dreams is the one thing that we all do. Dreaming is not a, uh, dreaming is not contingent upon race. It's not contingent upon social or, or economic status. Uh, and the book goes beyond just, it doesn't just focus on emotional trauma in the dream realm. It focuses on a very strong spiritual dynamic as well. And, and there are, are experiences in the dream realm that can carry out into our awakened state. And, I was going to say, and, and vice versa, actually. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, dreams are an extension of their day-to-day -day activity. I know yeah. when I was married to my ex-husband, I had the worst, for years, nightmares nonstop that stopped mm. abruptly the day I, I left. Mm. Like, literally stopped, just boom. Mm -hmm. No more. Yeah. Definitely they're an extension of, of mm -hmm. reality. I actually wrote a, a chapter on nightmares and I actually lay out the dream realm. Uh, and, and I, 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 I use a child having a temper, a temper tantrum to describe what's happening when we're having nightmares. So if you think about a child having a temper tantrum inside the dream realm, there's something that's having a temper tantrum. Something has been hurt. Something has been uh, shaken. And so uh, that's sort of where the book starts to get really deep. Whatever's been shaken in the dream realm, once it breaks free, it really, really begins to consume us in the awakened world. And that's where the book takes a turn uh, to some of the revelation that I have been given about dreams. Wow. That sounds so deep, almost like a Stephen, a Stephen King kind of thing. Like, oh my good. Oh, because I was going to ask you, and you took it out of my mouth. I was going to ask you if you've written any books yourself as a as a writer. You know, yeah. a, a published author. I was going to ask you that. So mm. you you answered that even before I asked you. So that's amazing. Mm. So inside the dream realm, do you have any other books? Absolutely. Um, those are books that I'm I'm republishing. Uh, one book uh, I wrote is Crumbs Inside My Head, A Guide to Nutrition. Uh, basically, the book Crumbs Inside My Head is, is, is a focus on uh, nutrition and using nutrition to overcome emotional trauma. So those are uh, two of the books that I'm preparing to release. Crumbs in My Head is actually a revision. Uh, so all those I'll, I'll definitely, and I'll send you the links to those uh, as well. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. So are, Thank you, you. are you only on LinkedIn or are you also on? Or yeah, LinkedIn <laughs> right now. Uh, I think uh, once I send all that information to you uh, about the website for the book, that'll have even more 
details for them uh, as far as blogs and forums and, and sessions where I'm speaking and things like that. That's amazing. Okay, so that's good to know. So you're also a public speaker? Yes. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Well, usually I ask, and I, I do this and then I don't do this. I ask if you have any favorite books, any favorite podcasts, mm -hmm. wink, wink, or any quotes, <laughs> <laughs> okay. any favorite quotes or something like that. And of course, um, off, the, off the record, if there's anyone you, you feel like probably needs to be a guest on the podcast, like someone that you know has either dealt with trauma, like you have, mm -hmm. or someone who you know you feel like they could. Yeah. But mainly, I want to know if you have any favorite quotes, favorite books, favorite something, and then any going away words for the listeners, especially if it's a an older teen, like a college student who is listening to this. Mm -hmm. We have to say to them as someone who's mm -hmm. kind of walked your talk. Mm. Wow. Uh, as far as um, quotes, I come across so many. I think when you look at social media, there are quotes everywhere. We're so immersed in, in quotes. Um, so I, I'm, I'll, I'll ponder that. Uh, but as far as parting words, I'll definitely um, like to just simply say who you are is, is, is very important. And every person